Welcome into another edition of Sportball. I'm your boy Sam. With me as always are my two good friends, Seth and Kyle. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Not too bad. Feeling great. I uh, personally have uh, gotten back on the soccer watching game, football as they call it. Uh, PSG has made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, in case anyone was wondering. It's my guys, as you all know. I'm a Kylian Mbappe fan through and through. I have been thinking about just kind of picking an English Premier League team and kind of just following them. Join me on the Tottenham Hotspur ride. They've been my team for a while now, too. I just Back in the day, I used to root for, for uh, Chelsea because I use them in my iPhone soccer game. That's fair. So we could go against each other even. And we conclude it as one of the sports with the balls that we talk about on this podcast. Tottenham hasn't been great this year or the last, but they do have Harry Kane. I mean, I didn't expect you to be a fan of a good team. You like them when they're rebuilding <laughs> on the way up. You know me so well. Yeah. Well, today on the pod... We're going to get into some NBA talk. We're in the uh, the dog days of the NBA, as it were. Um, some playoff seeding and some post-trade deadline talk. But we're only, what, like 30-some days away from uh, playing games? Like yeah, with the, with the new schedule, May 18th is when the playing games start. So we're really in that section um, where normally just not a lot going on, but with the play-ins, at least adds a little excitement. So we'll get into that. We'll delve into that later. Um, but unfortunately, we had to start off with some some news in both the sports world and just in the day-to-day life. Um, first, on Sunday, uh, this Sunday, we learned of the murder of Dante Wright, 20 years old, shot and killed by a police officer. Another unarmed black man killed by police once again in the Minneapolis area. Um, another routine traffic stop. Apparently, the officer thought that she was pulling out a taser, but it was a gun instead. Um, and, you know, this is all while the Derek Chauvin uh, trial is going on for the, the murder of George Floyd. And, you know, I think it's fresh in everyone's mind because we're watching a murder trial for a murder we all saw on video, and it's taking all this long to get any traction. Um, so just getting tired of, of hearing about uh, this news of another unarmed black person getting killed. Um, Minnesota area teams, sports teams, all postponed their games on Monday just to try to get the discourse going and try to show their uh, level of disgust for for this kind of police brutality that's been occurring. So I think we should honor their what they were trying to do there and talk about it here. Um, you know, it's just I'm getting really tired of hearing about it, and we all. We, I think we all are um, just, it's just time after time. And we spent all this time protesting and trying to get change. And it just, I'm just a little disheartened to see another, another case like this. Yeah. It's one of those things where you think like uh, at this point, we'd, we'd have some momentum. We'd be, you know, making some progress. Um, but oftentimes that's not how social change movements happen. And, you know, it takes a long time. Um, obviously it's infuriating and, and draining and there's a lot of emotions and, you know, for those of us on like us three on the podcast, 
it's hard to like complain about feeling those emotions when we're protected um, against all those, against police violence. Um, so I don't know. I, I just felt like we should talk about it today on the podcast, but I also feel like there's not a lot that we have to contribute to the conversation that hasn't been said already. I know for me, like scrolling through Instagram the last several days, it's been the same posts that I see over and over and, um, you know, some things that are really like helpful, concrete steps, like that I shared about Venmo for, um, for Dante's family and, um, like ways to support ways to help out in small ways. Um, and then also a lot of just like ideological things that we were saying the same exact things a year ago about this is why like reforming the police isn't going to work. And, um, you know, this is why we need to move beyond just saying we need more training, blah, blah, blah. Like this is one of these issues. And it's like, how many more examples do we need, um, to understand that the whole system needs to be destroyed and remade. Um, yeah. And it's, it is cases like this that raise the question of why cops even have guns and routine traffic stops. Um, and you know, when, when you have that option available, it's like you make a mistake and someone dies. It's not like when you make a mistake at another job, right? Um, this is people's lives in hands. So, and people talk about like, why do sports teams boycott the game? What will that, what good will that do? You know, they're just, they should just stick to sports. Well, I tune into the halftime of the national TV game. And the first thing they talk about is the murder of Dante Wright. And they say, here's why these sports teams boycotted the games. You're not going to see that on a sports channel if they don't boycott those games. Right. So I think that, um, the sports world, you know, that was a good reaction by the Minneapolis teams in, in, um, congruence with the Minnesota government. Um, and it got sports channels to talk about it. I got us to talk about this in podcasts and kind of spread the word. So, yeah. And just one more on that. I think I, my hope is that the momentum that we're gaining from this and the, you know, traction that happens when, when teams postpone games is to bring more and more people further along towards like radical solutions to problems. And by radical, I mean the true definition of the word, which means to get to the root of the problem, right? So I think a lot of people maybe several years ago after Ferguson happened or after Trayvon Martin was killed or any number of people, right? Um, they're like, oh, like, I guess we probably need like some kind of to do something about police brutality like yeah yeah we need to do something about this body cams training like this shouldn't be happening and so i'm hoping that now we can move some of those people along to realizing like the extreme changes that needs to happen right defunding the police um and hopefully with some of that more press coverage that can happen. And I guess I would encourage like people, the four of you listeners today, like talk to people in your life and try to bring them further along that journey as well. 
mm-hmm. and eventually maybe we'll get to a point where there's so much support by the general public that it's political suicide not to make some of those changes. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, I don't think teams were postponing games after the Ferguson incident, you know, like now it's in the public discourse more than it ever has been. I feel, um, I just wish it didn't take more people dying for us to move further along, but, um, Kyle, any, any, any final thoughts on them? I just don't understand how someone works in a field, police field as a police officer for 26 years and can't differentiate the difference between a taser and a gun. Yep. I'm pretty sure tasers are plastic. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't be carrying a gun if that's the case. It's just outrageous, obviously. It's like, I don't know what you do, right? Seth said you got to get to the root of the problem. I mean, root of the problem is what systemic racism for the first thing in the first place anyway, so. Yeah, Uh, it it can definitely feel very helpless, like you're saying. But um, I'll I'll end the segment with this quote I saw from – from Jalen Brown, um, who was talking about the murder of Dante, right? He said, the power has and always will be with the people. You got to stand up and fight. What other solution do we have? So I think that's a good message from our sports world intersecting with um, the police brutality that we're seeing. We should transition to another piece of news. Um, Also, a piece of despairing news, um, but this time from the sports world. Um, We haven't touched it yet on this podcast, but it's been trickling out for a while. Deshaun Watson has been accused now of over 20 women of sexual assault, um, most by massage therapists ranging anywhere from just taking out his penis or forced oral sex. Um, Basically, anything from mild, uh, mild... um, What's the word I'm looking for here? You're right there. I could feel it. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what you're trying to say at all. <laughs> the mild. Thank you. Anywhere from something that we would um, not feel as bad uh, about to rape, basically. And um, I think what's been upsetting to me, and Seth and I have talked about this, but it's kind of the coverage of the of the of this case of these allegations, and it's not the first time. Um, that this has happened and that I've been disappointed in the way the sports world has reacted. But I sensed the headline I saw, and it was the dual narratives around Deshaun Watson's massages. This is on the front page of ESPN, an ESPN examination of the lawsuits filed against Watson and interviews with six others who massaged him reveal a complex portrait of a man and two groups of women. There's nothing complex about this. Uh, By all accounts, he raped over 20 women. So I just think that in these scenarios, you know, oftentimes like, did he do it? Did he not do it? We don't have all the facts. You know, we know that the vast majority, whatever it is, 95, 97% of rapes were reported correctly. Right. And we know that um, we basically, especially when you see 20 women, it's not like they just banded together and said, let's take this guy down for no reason it seems pretty obvious that this man is a serial sexual assaulter. So 
that's what frustrates me a lot. And then the other thing that frustrates me is that it seems like his main legal defense is um, to make the women come forward and say their names and reveal who they are. And you know why they want to remain anonymous. It's because as soon as they say who they are, they're going to receive death threats from sports fans. Their lives are going to be ruined forever. Obviously, you would want, want to prefer anonymous in that situation. And so if your only defense is bullying them into something that's not necessary for the trial, but they just you just want it so that they feel less inclined to step forward, that's what I have a real problem with um, as far as the legal system goes, because the judge is making them do that in this case. So, so it's been very frustrating, um, the whole coverage of it. And just personally, you know, I, I always thought Deshaun Watson might be one of the few good people, um, few good celebrities. He seems like a good guy. And it's just been, it's been really upsetting to realize who he truly is. So it's been definitely a very, very upsetting news story. Yeah. So just off of, some of those points that you raise, Sam. Um, and obviously I'll just say from the beginning, like this issue is near and dear to my heart and I work in sexual violence prevention and have worked as an advocate in the past. So, you know, always happen to talk more about this topic for anyone who's interested in learning more. But with that ESPN article, like the dual narratives, right? I think it's important like to, it's okay to look at the details of a story and write a nuanced account of what's been going on, right? But if you read that article, basically the dual narratives are that some women who have given him massages seem think he's a great guy and weren't uncomfortable in any of those situations. And then more than 20 people, like he coerced or pressured into some kind of sexual act and obviously like we're uncomfortable and we're, we're victimized. So that's not a surprise to anybody. It's not that people who sexual assault other people exclusively have that interaction, like, and that they never ever have a massage without coercing someone, right? Yeah, it's like, what am I supposed to think that he's fine because he didn't sexually assault 50% of the people in the massage room? Like, oh, okay, well half the people he was nice to, so I guess it's fine. Right. And that's, you know, I think it's kind of implicitly uh, producing this false narrative that like people who perpetrate sexual violence are these like sociopathic people who like don't feel any empathy or just like very hardened criminals or something like that. And it's saying like, oh, well, if these people think he's a good person and didn't have any negative experiences, like sounds like there's two sides of the story here when really that's exactly what you would expect. Um, and and it's, same, it's, go ahead, Kyle. It's, it's the same thing. Like if you watch any of these recent, uh, like Ted Bundy or any of these serial killer documentaries on Netflix that have become huge over the past year and a half when people haven't had anything else to do, but watch new stuff on Netflix. It's like every single person's like, I would have never expected him. He was the nicest person. Yeah, obviously. I mean, right. there's a front that gets put on at some point, but what people do in their, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I behind like closed doors. So exactly. To say. There you go. What people do behind closed doors speak more actions than 
what they do to in the public right so it's like all these all these narratives of like well prove it first it's like in these kinds of cases obviously we want it to be proven but at the same time it's like you can't just completely write off every single accusation especially when they're this major you can't do that like of course people should be innocent until proven guilty. But at the same time, we know the statistics of rape cases. Right. Um, and we know that there are more than 20 women. And so I'm pretty much assuming he's guilty. And, you know, the whole, like, if I had more faith in our justice system, I might be like, let's see how this plays out. But I don't. And I know that he has all this money, right? We see this with celebrities all the time. We saw this with Kobe. Like, they just pay them off. And then throughout history, when we look back, we'll say, well, he was accused of this. He was never convicted. Well, that's because he paid millions of dollars to drop the suit. And, you know, so I worry that that's what will end up happening and we'll, we'll never, you know, say that he was convicted of it. Yeah. And I think both these issues are um, just indicative, emblematic of this broken criminal justice system that we have um, where on one end we're locking up black and brown people for like nonviolent drug offenses. And on the other end, we have people in power, whether that's police um, or have these strong police unions or it's celebrities with a lot of money, men um, who are violent and don't, we don't find any justice from that. So um yeah, I think I think we'll move on here because um, kind of like I said about the uh, Dante Wright situation, like there's other people who are yeah more eloquent than us on this issue. And yep. um, this isn't what the podcast is about, but I think it was important to talk it through and um, yeah, really you can check out interrogate. Our... Yeah, just really interrogate like how masculinity is as usual at the center of many different social issues. Um, and certainly I hope that people are, are starting to understand like how rape culture works in our society and yeah, working to dismantle that as well. Yeah. I was just going to say, check out our social media for, for resources, uh, especially stats for issues of sexual assault and domestic violence. Um, and uh, yeah, let's move on to the NBA. Um, one more one more sad story to cover here, uh, this time just sports related. Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets has torn his ACL, which again, really bumping out because this was a team that, especially with the addition of Aaron Gordon, we had seen as a real contender. And we, we thought maybe had a real shot at making the finals, especially with the injuries uh, to the Lakers. And now ACL, one of the worst injuries, he won't be back till probably next year's playoffs. Um, so just a really, really sad news. Um, Kyle, what did you think when you, when you saw that come across your, your feet? Yeah, I, I was watching the game, actually. Mm-hmm. And there was like 40 seconds left. And Jamal drove and just couldn't even finish the, the layup he was going at uh, and just fell to the floor. It's... Uh, you know, it's brutal. We saw in the bubble last year in the playoffs, especially the kind of game changer and meaningful games that Jamal could be. Um, obviously, he's been hot and cold this year. It's kind of been the story of his 
young career though so far during the regular season but the man knows how to turn it on in the playoffs as he showed us right uh, he went toe to toe with uh, Donovan Mitchell he kept he kept the nuggets in the game in the series for the most part him and Jokic um, so it's a brutal loss really brutal loss but um, at the same time I still don't think I count them out as title contenders because they still have, to my opinion, the MVP front runner on the team um, in Jokic. And I think I saw earlier today that in games that Jamal has missed, um, at least this season, Jokic hasn't scored less than 25 points and he hasn't had single digit uh, assists in any game. He's double digit assists in every game that, you know, Jamal hasn't been in. So it's great that they were able to add Gordon too at the trade deadline. Like we talked about last time um, he's been huge for them. And, you know, I think obviously no one's going to be able to replace kind of the game changing abilities of Jamal come playoff time. But I think Gordon Jokic and Michael Porter can definitely shoulder the load between those three. And I mean, I still, you know, I've been a huge fan of, um, PJ Dozier and Monte Morris pretty much since they've been in the league. Uh, I was a big Monte Morris fan uh, when he was at Ohio, uh, Ohio, Iowa state. So I think they've showed us too, that they might be better defensively than Jamal. So they could help on one end um, a lot better than probably Jamal could have in um, in some big time games, but I, I'm still confident that, like I said, Jokic and Gordon, and especially the way the two-man game of, of Jokic and Porter have been recently, um, it's just been on another level. Those two together, they're picking pops and they're, you know, they're, they're pick and roll game. Honestly, has just been almost unstoppable. It's uh, they're finding the the perfect synergy, um, you know, coming down here at the the end of the season and. I really think they're going to be able to hone that uh, over the next couple weeks going into the playoffs. Obviously, like I said, the Jamal injury is terrible, but it's better to have happened now than a week before the playoffs. Now you get about a month of time to kind of figure it out um, and figure out kind of who's going to take what role going forward and as the playoffs roll around. Yeah, I think the one silver lining, if there is one, is that we'll see Porter Jr. Uh, get to have take more of a role in this offense and really be the number two and just see what he's capable of, right, which we've all been waiting to see. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with you that, I mean, they still have to be taken seriously in the playoffs, but I think now, like, there's a big chance that they lose it in the first round, even depending on the opponent. I mean, the West is so tough. So, I mean, but you could say that about any West team, really. You could say they might lose in the first round, they might make the finals, but – what do you think, Seth, about uh, about their playoff chances with the Jamal injury? Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. I think uh, it's hard not to dock them, even though like they do have some some good pieces to fill in, and yeah. Jokic is so good, it's like hard to completely write them off. But given like how deep the West is, and how like most teams in the West have two really great players and maybe three or four. Um, And so when you're just like splitting hairs between Denver and Utah, both the LA teams, Phoenix, Portland, 
you know, on and on down the list, it's like, yeah. on paper, it's hard to say, oh yeah, Denver is still likely to win without Jamal Murray. You know, I mean, when we were, it... we were barely saying that they were favorites with right. Jamal Murray. So um, obviously anything could happen. They still have the talent to theoretically win a series or two, but it's just at that point where you can't predict them to, to do it. I, I mean, yeah, if the, if the playoffs started today, they'd be playing the Lakers in the first round. And it's like, you know, if LeBron and AD are healthy and the Nuggets have no Jamal, that's really tough for them to make it out of the first round, right? I think in the West, just a lot of it depends on matchups. If they happen to catch, you know, the Blazers or the Mavericks, okay, you know, Jokic going to toe-to-toe with Dame or, or Luka with not a great team around either of them, you know, maybe. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely takes – it's just less fun now. With, with Jamal out. Um, but I did want to use that to transition to um, the main segment we're doing, which I have self-titled the dog days of the NBA. What do you think guys? Pretty good. I feel like you say the dog days of the NBA every time we talk, but that could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's actually my ringtone. When I call you, it just says, it sings dog the dog days, days of the NBA. NBA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but first I wanted to discuss, New Faces and New Places. Now, that's a pretty good title, New Faces and New Places. Um, so original. We've, <laughs> we've seen, we've seen uh, a good sample size now of players traded after the trade deadline and their new destinations. I kind of want to just take stock of what we think of them. I mean, the first one would have been Aaron Gordon in Denver. You know, that doesn't maybe mean as much now, but I do still kind of want to talk about what he means for next year and for future years that they re-sign him. Um, I think we would all agree that he looked even better than we expected he would, right? I think we all touted that as a good move at the time, but, I mean, they looked darn near, darn near unstoppable, especially on offense with them in there. I mean, they were running this play, like they would have Jokic have the ball and they would have Murray screen for Gordon. They would run it like 10 times a game and they would just get a wide open shot out of every time, right? Whether that be a Gordon dunk, a Jamal Murray open three, a Jokic three, it was just like, with Gordon, Porter, Jamal, and Jokic on the court offensively, they have every answer for anything the defense wants to do, right? You trap Jamal, okay, Jokic and Gordon play make. You trap uh, Jokic, okay, Jamal play makes. Like, Porter's open in the corner. It's just kind of – it looked unstoppable. So I think I'm – you know, they have that core four, you know, going in after Jamal's, Jamal's healthy again. I feel pretty good about them in years to come, right? Didn't look so unstoppable when my Celtics went on a 40 to eight run at the end of the game to finish it out last week. Yeah. It's embarrassing. I lost to the worst team in the league. So, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I think like early returns, I hope they re-sign Gordon after his contracts up at the end of next season, because they could really contend for years with that nucleus. I think, you know, it's not like Gordon's old either. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, I like it for them. Obviously the Gordon um, acquisition has been great for them and they still have a great future. Of course. I mean, Jokic is still so young. Murray's so young. Um, Hopefully he's able to recover from this injury and get back to his uh, former self and also just continue to improve in his consistency, right? He's one of those players in the league who is one of the best shot makers that we have in the game. Um, but he also has those, you know, six for 24 shot shooting percentage games. So, Mm -hmm. um, hopefully for them, 
he'll get back to how he's been playing and, you know, bubble, bubble Jamal that we all love so much, but uh, yeah, the maple Messiah. It's funny too. I feel like he starts slow every year and then kind of ramps it up. And he was doing that again this year. Like the last few weeks, he was just looking like bubble Jamal again and take, like he had taken that leap consistently. And I think someone said, I think it was Jackie in one of her, in her profile of him was saying that it's because he doesn't like take time off. So in the off season, he's basically working as if it was the regular season. And so he just never gets time off. So he kind of comes into the season a little too tired and then he just kind of gets in the flow and ramps it up. So I don't know if that's true or not, but it's interesting because that seems to be the case every season with him. Uh, so let's tell him to take some time off. Yeah. Well, he's got it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe honestly. Yeah. Maybe this will lead him to have a good start uh, next season when he comes back. Kyle, we must talk about our Chicago Bulls because we, we added Vucevic in a blockbuster deal uh, on the trade deadline three and seven since the trade. But I will say you can see flashes of how it's going to look in the future with that Levine uh, Vucevic pick and roll. Now we have Kobe white and Larry marketing coming off the bench, which just makes way more sense for them. I mean, I think that's their destiny in the NBA. Um, so I think the real spot we just need to upgrade is that Sadoransky point guard spot, AKA signing Lonzo in the off season, maybe, you know, which obviously we wanted, you know, the front office has shown they want him. So obviously, you know, early return turns win wise hasn't been great, but I do think in years to come, this will be a solid playoff team. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. Uh, we talked about kind of what we expect from the trade, uh, last podcast and now we've had two weeks to kind of see it um and just like you said you know uh it's not consistent yet but there's definitely been flashes um i mean it's been a long time since chicago's had a dominant center probably what last is joachim nope uh joachim noah (laughs) say it like that joachim fifth and mvp voting one year baby you know what? I, I don't know why I randomly thought about this the other day. Do you remember in high school when I told you that Noah was going to have a triple double with blocks and it actually happened that day? <laughs> I did. And uh, it's now tattooed on my ass. So I yeah. do remember it every day. Yeah. <laughs> I looked up the game the other day too, when I was thinking about it against Philadelphia of all teams. He had like yeah, I have the game. points. Yeah. 15, 16 rebounds and like 11 yep. blocks. <laughs> yeah, I have yeah the stat lines tattooed on my ass, so I know. You didn't look up the game. I actually just sent you a picture of my ass, and that's how you remembered it. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be my wildest, uh, it's like off-the-wall call that I've ever made that's come true. That's your wildest off-the-wall call? I guess it's so the only one I have tattooed. So. One random day that a <laughs> player was going to have a triple-double with blocks? Yeah, it's yeah. pretty outrageous. I guess it is, yeah. Too bad you weren't gambling yet. You could have really made money off of that. I've been gambling since I was six. (laughs) (laughs) I actually bet my mother what time I would come out of the womb. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like the uh, the cleaning solution. (laughs) But yeah, I think um, it's almost like it's almost like for the bowls, all the ingredients are together, you know, but the the dish just isn't quite done. You know, we need to add some seasoning, put it in the oven a little longer, um, add a few pieces in the off season. But I, I it's weird to say I like how it looks when it's been three and seven, but I kind of do, you know? They've all been like close games. Yeah. Nothing's really been a blowout. Um, we're going to make the play in. Yeah. And at that point, 
we'll have that chemistry and we're going to shock the world. We're going to make the, uh, we're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. We'll beat the Celtics in the play and then we're right there. (laughs) I just year after year, I hear these proclamations, whether it's the bulls, Chicago bears are going to make the playoffs. We did make the playoffs. You know, it's seven seed, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was, was it the year before that Kyle said they're going to make the playoffs? And then this year. Okay. Yeah. But I bet against the bears that season because he was just being crazy. They made the playoffs. You can trust me fans. Okay. I'm an, I'm an unbiased. I call it like I see it. Kyle cannot separate his love for the team from reality. I've given up on the bears unless they get a new quarterback. I proclaimed this to our group weeks, month ago, whatever. I don't know, but. Unless we trade up think... and get a new quarterback, I'm done with the Bears. That's done. But I think you guys just don't appreciate enough the fact that I have the hottest of takes and I'm right more often than I'm wrong. That's definitely not dumb? true. <laughs> I feel like you just never hear about the ones you're wrong about. Yeah. Afterwards, um, that's what a good I think. Uh, I think the, I, I would say the Bulls are more likely to miss the play-in game than they are to make the actual playoffs. I mean, we don't have a lot of competition with the playing game. So I think we'll just get the 10th seed and lose the play-in. I mean, it's only yeah. the Raptors and they're two games behind us. So, I mean, I don't see us missing the play-in, but I also don't see us making the playoffs if being a realistic fan that, you know. Um, yeah. But that's fine. You know, I'm okay with that. The worst part would be if we miss the play-in after that. That, that would be disastrous if we miss the play-in after making that trade, but I don't see that happening. But obviously, we're not going to jump up. I mean, we're in tenth right now, and we're three games behind nine. We basically locked up the ten seed. I really want to bet that the Bulls make the playoffs. But if it stands as it is today, I already have a bet on the Pacers. I could hedge my bets essentially by doing this, though. <laughs> I'll bet you that the Bulls make the playoffs. I'll do it. I don't want to bet against them. No, but I Seth will. Does. Yeah, I'll do 10 bucks on that. Name your price. All right. <laughs> Name your price. <laughs> but, okay, so I don't even know how many how many going, bets we have going on, but we'll keep the listeners updated. Um, okay, let's move on to um, – we can hit these next two pretty quick because they're both injured slash have COVID, but Fickle, Depot, and Miami. Honestly, he looked pretty bad, and then he got injured. I don't know. He Is he just done? Like, is it just over with him? I don't understand. Do you think it's not going to happen for him, or is he still going to contribute in the playoffs? I just I just haven't liked what, I, what I've seen from him. He's just been so injury-ridden. Ever since the, the major injury, it's like, you know, it, it's hard to gauge a player when they can't go longer than a month without getting another minor injury. And this one was another non-contract, non-contact injury most recently on a breakaway dunk. It's like at some point something's got to give, um, and it's and it's his knee. <laughs> uh, Ouch. <laughs> so, I mean, definitely, ha- it's not like he needs to be the guy. Right. He's not right. the number two anymore either. He's not the number three, I don't even think. He just needs to be a f- – he's better than the average four when he's healthy, that's for sure. Not he wasn't even, court, though. Like, he looks so bad when he got there. Maybe it's just fitting with a new team or whatever, but I, mean, I just have not – I think he's just had too much high hopes for himself. He's been dreaming of playing in Miami since he got into the NBA. 
That's true. <laughs> yeah, the hype got to him. I mean, and whatever. Even if he isn't a big contributor in the playoffs, it's like you traded Kelly Olenek for him. So whatever. Right. Um, Seth, it's time to talk about your your precious Celtics. <laughs> he I perks up immediately. Cool. I know our listeners were truth. rioting last podcast because we hyped up you talking about the Celtics the whole pod, and then your audio dropped out as soon as you started talking about them. So I hope that happens again. But <laughs> Fournier on the Celtics, we've seen him for a while now. Uh, then he, he was playing well, then he got COVID. So do you think, you know, I, you were telling me no, no way they make the play, and I think that's a little strong. But I, do you think that the addition of Fournier just basically helps push them to that four or five seed? I think it's not even entirely about Fournier. I mean, he is a big upgrade over – we've talked about this in previous pods over those role players that we have playing. You know what I think is bigger. I bet what you're going to say is I think what's bigger is they lost Tyson had to start Robert Williams. I feel like that's invigorated the offense. I've been clamoring for it. (laughs) We all love my boy. Time Time Lord. Lord. Um, So I think having him out there, uh, they just look like a more cohesive offense. Um, And we had a, a big win last night against Portland um, coming after an even bigger win that I mentioned earlier against Denver um, when we went on this 40 to eight run. What a collapse by Denver. It's yeah. Another it day, though. was honestly incredible. It was like Jokic went out of the game and we scored like 12 in a row or something. And then he came back in and it was like too late. Like the tides had already turned. Um, so I'm just, I'm, much more optimistic now than I was a few weeks ago about the Celtics. I think Tatum is really turning it on the last few weeks as well. Um, I think he's one of like Brad Stevens had a quote recently. He was saying, yeah, it's about the same time of the year last year that Tatum really like took off. Um, And it was also, he had COVID too. And so recovering from that takes some time. So I think, yeah, he even said he has to use an inhaler now. Right before yeah. game season, yeah. Taylor still. So um, he had a career high, I think 51 the other day or something. 53, yeah. 53, yeah. So that was the same day every player in the NBA went for 50, though. So yeah, Levine but, did and we lost. So <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so I just think we're really starting to click now. Chemistry is getting better. Kemba's looking a little bit better at times. Um, and then once we have Fournier, back again now he's out with covid safety protocols too but um yeah i think we're gonna i don't think we'll be in the play and i think we'll be five or six seed yeah probably and i i lamented to kyle like a week ago i was like why do you even like robert williams like his ceiling is basically rudy gobert and then i think i was a little wrong about that only because what I've really noticed lately once he's been starting is his passing, um, which I think is already superior to Gobert's skill in that area. And he like these dribble handoffs, these, these passing, he's almost like I was saying Seth, like you see, like actually might be Bam Blight instead, kind of more of that mold. Um, and Kyle's like, good, wow, good. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah, I've enjoyed that little jolt of playmaking. Cause you know, that's what we've always lamented about the Celtics, right? As we've said, it's just isolation. It's just like, they're not playing like a cohesive team. And I think he just kind of became the glue that led them all together with that playmaking dribble handoff ability. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens right from the, come the playoffs. If, Tatum and Brown kind of revert back to those roles of uh, the um, 
isolation games that we saw earlier this season where there wasn't much ball movement and it was just uh, either one of them pretty much doing whatever they could to create a shot. Um, but yeah, they definitely are looking much better. Nervous about the Pacers these days. I don't know what the hell's going on down there. <laughs> Something's in the water. <laughs> but I ride with my boys. I know Sabonis will turn it on. They've had some injuries here and Our there boy. too. Yeah. I really hope the Celtics get the four seed actually, because that's the four teams I want to see in the conference semifinals is Celtics, Bucks, Nets, Sixers. I don't want to see the fucking Hawks in a conference semis, you know? Who the fuck wants to see that? So I don't want those guys to you meet up. You wouldn't want until... to see Trey Young dropping 50 every other game? I'm just not a big Trey Young guy, I guess. So I think I it's here. It. It's like at least I'm, bal- I'm balding in one spot, at least. You know, it's all over for him. <laughs> I think we're going to go through later on, right, what our what – our, uh... Yeah, we might as well just transition to that now. The next segment for Dog Days of Summer, patent pending – or Dog Days of the NBA, not sorry, <laughs> that's the original line, is um, playoff positioning. So I want to talk about kind of, you know, in years past, it was really the Dog Days of the NBA because half the teams were tanking and half of them were trying to win or rest their players for the playoffs, and we're all just like, who even wants to watch these games? Now at least there's a lot of players, got people gunning for those play-ins, and conversely, there's the seven and eight seeds who are trying to get out of the play-in, Right. Um, so a refresher for our listeners is that for the play in the seven, we'll play the eight and the nine will play the 10. Then the higher seed has to win or only has to win one game to cement their spot in the playoffs. Yeah. And then the seven, eight, the, the lower seed has to win two. Yeah. Yeah. Nine and 10 determines just, just to be clear, like the seven, eight seed happens and it's not that the eight seed has to beat the seven seed twice in a row. That's not what happens. If the seven seed wins right there in, and then eight seed still has another chance, they'll yeah. play the winner of the nine, 10 matchup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Etc. And not and not. Yeah. So these players, these people who are around that play and they want to grab that six seed so they don't have to worry and they, and they can just go into the playoffs. And then those that are in 11 and 12 are trying to go in for that 10 seed to get even in the play. So let's look at the East first. Um, boy, so we have, as of right now, seeds five through eight are one game apart. So that would be our beloved Celtics and our beloved uh, Knicks <laughs> are one game apart. I'm going to assume the pace. three years too early. I'm going to assume the Pacers and the Bulls are locked into the nine and 10 seed. Um, Because as I said earlier, the Bulls are basically locked in the 10 and the Pacers are two games behind. So I'm going to say there's a nine and 10 seed. Now the question is who can get those four through six seeds and avoid the plan. Um, Our choices are the Hawks, the Celtics, the heat, the Hornets and the Knicks. So as Seth discussed, I think he would have the Celtics up there. Um, I would agree with him there. Uh, I think the heat, I mean, we all know the Heat's resume, right? They made the finals last year. Right now they're in the sixth seed. Um, they have the fifth easier schedule remaining. So they get the T-Wolves twice, the Rockets, the Cavs, and the Pistons. And I think Jimmy and Bam will just kind of carry them out of the play. And do you guys agree with that? And they're six right now. I think they hold at least that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see them finishing four or five. Okay. And then I think – I think the Hawks will probably get out of the plan. I mean, right now they're holding on to the four seed uh, at 30 and 25. They're basically 
two full games above seventh. Um, and they just seemed reinvigorated after that coaching change, right? Uh, they took Nate McMillan off the assistant to the head coach. They've been on a run since then. Bogdanovich is looking good. He's back, right? And he seems fully healthy. So I don't think they drop all the way from four to seven. Do you guys They have that? a brutal schedule, though. I, Bucks, I saw it. At, Nick, I John Collins is out. Bucks, Bucks, 76ers right twice. The Suns. Uh, and the Blazers. And but they got some real easy games too. They have the 12th easiest schedule remaining. I mean, they have they have the Rockets, Pistons, Magic twice, and Wizards twice. Yeah, but the Wizards are like still a frisky team. They don't play defense, but I mean, if I frisky you being bad, which is my definition of frisky, then you're correct. <laughs> so who do you think then, Kyle, if you if you don't think the Hawks avoid the plan? I mean, they have a good lead right now. They're in fourth, you know? Right, yeah. No, I, I think, if anything, they fall to seven. But I think they, I think those four, five, and six that we talked about all stay in the four, five, and six range. I just think the Hawks probably fall to six at worst. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, yeah, and I think the Hornets were, were looking like they were, might avoid the playing for a while. But, you know, they lost LaMelo and, and Hayward. I feel like losing LaMelo, they could kind of sustain, but Hayward, that's just like too much for them. Um, but they have a pretty easy schedule. I think they'll stay in the plan at least. I think they'll, I think they'll get that seven or eight seed. So it'll be interesting. I mean, right now the matchups for the play in the Hornets and the Knicks and the Pacers and the Bulls, that's going to be interesting. But I, I think what the listeners all want is Celtics Bulls. That's what How we want. You? That's what we need. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I can't decide if those would be really interesting matchups or kind of boring, especially with without Lamelo and without Gordon, yeah. and with how like kind of blah the Bulls have looked. I don't know. I mean, we'll just we'll just see how it shakes out. I just want the listeners know. I just want another free bagel from Dunkin' Donuts. Just found out right now. That's breaking news. So, you're welcome. I'm pretty sure we all qualify at this point for free daily donuts, though, from Krispy Kreme. So yeah, I'm not a big donut guy. I'm more of a bagel guy. You don't like cream cheese, though. No, the it's problem is they flaw. keep bullying me into getting the cream cheese because that's what the promotion is. You get a free bagel of cream cheese. I say, I don't want the cream cheese. Let me get butter. And they're like, no. I'm like, well, butter costs less than cream cheese. I'm saving you money. They just won't listen. So I've gotten into it with a couple of Dunkin' employees. <laughs> I, made, I made an everything, everything bagel today and added everything but the bagel seasoning to it. I had double everythings. Oh my that. god, that's like trying to double infinity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Western Conference, where things are juicy. Um, the first question on all of our minds will be: Who's going to grab uh, the last play-in slots? It's basically between the Spurs, the Warriors, and the Pelicans. Um, and I just—I don't know. I just have. We all know who Kyle's going to say. I just have no faith in the Pelicans. We said this last year, like, oh, they're definitely going to make the playoffs because their schedule. Yeah, the, once again, they have a – I mean, they have a decently – so San Antonio has a second-hardest schedule remaining. So you think, okay, they'll drop out and the Pelicans will get that. The Pelicans have a middling schedule. I don't trust them to win winnable games, okay? I mean, we, we just saw this recently. San Antonio just beat Dallas, and then a week or, a week or two ago, the Pelicans lost to the Magic. So what am I supposed to think here, right? I mean, I don't know. I just don't have any faith in them. The Bulls are losing to the Magic right now, too. So, <laughs> uh, 
it, the basketball looks great, though. <laughs> the ten seed comes down to essentially the Warriors and the Pelicans because they still they play each other. I think three times mm. and before the playoffs. That's a good call. I think the Warriors will make it because they they have the six easiest schedule. They get OKC three times. So I mean, come on now, if they can't make the playoffs with that, you know, and they have Stephen Curry. Dort scored good. forty-two the other day. Yeah, they still lost though. <laughs> Lou Dort glow up though, my God! Ever since that game seven against the Rockets, you love to see it. Honestly, I've always said the easiest thing to learn is how to shoot, and he was a great defender always. And Kyle still hasn't learned it. Shoot. He can only hit that one spot from Nick's driveway. That's it. That's all you need. You know where to find me. I'll be posted in that uh, in that square. So yeah, I think I think Spurs Warriors. I don't know. Everyone's just actually like the Pelicans are going to jump the Spurs. I just I'm have going, no faith in them. I don't know if they jump the Spurs, but I'm going Pelicans. I shared with you earlier what Zion's doing as a as a point guard. Point guard. Zion's great. Okay, I he's my favorite player to watch in the league right now. All right, but the coach's ass. I don't believe that. I mean, it would be LeBron if he wasn't injured. He's with Cal- me. Kyle is showing his the greatest gift I ever gave him, which is a Zion Funko Pop. The second greatest gift was the tattoo on my ass of Yoki Noah's stat line. <laughs> uh, yeah. The thing is, like, I don't like Stan. I don't think he's a good coach. Uh, they have they're dealing with a lot of injuries. They were, and Zion by himself is not enough to lift this team to the playoffs, especially when he's still a minus on defense. So I don't know, Seth. Do you agree with me? Give me, give me some, give me some reinforcement here. I mean, the Warriors suck just as much though. It, without Steph, they're in the same exact boat as the Pelicans without like without Z- or it's Zion's true. defensive deficiencies. As it's definitely it, so. true, yeah. But they have such an easy schedule that I'm just hoping that they they hold on to that 10 seed with with dear life. <laughs> yeah, I I would predict the Warriors as well, if only just because a little bit more track record with stuff and um we all recognize how great zion is but the fact of the matter is the pelicans have just been so up and down and disappointing and losing games that they should win all season i i don't have a lot of confidence in them whereas i feel like they also beat the 76ers just earlier last week they could beat any team in the league that's the thing with the pelicans like they have the talent and they have the ability to do it, but they're just like, for whatever it is, whether it's discipline or I don't know. Um, I feel like the Warriors are more the team where with their, all their injuries and like Draymond being older, they don't really have the talent to beat a lot of teams in the NBA, but they just figure it out through experience and stuff going supernova sometimes. So honestly, the, I, I could see it either way, but I'd probably take the Warriors. The worst thing that could have happened to the Pelicans happened, and that was Josh Hart getting an injury and being mm. out for the rest of the year. Is there any player I love more than Josh Hart? You guys really? would agree, right? That it, the Pelicans that would, <laughs> if Josh Hart was healthy, the Pelicans would have been a lock over the Warriors. I mean, right? Josh Hart is the best player in the NBA, so that would definitely help. Does any I mean, other Sam player come with Josh Hart on his ass? So. <laughs> I need just... to look this up. I don't know, though. I don't know right now. But I don't know if any other player coming off the bench has more double-doubles than Josh Hart this season. I was just going to say, does he get the most rebounds out of anyone for his height? 
It's got to be up there. Get it on this, please. I feel like he—he's the best rebounding guard in the league. I feel like. Well, Russell Westbrook, but. Yeah, but Russell has that has that deal with his centers where they box out, but he gets the rebound. That's what Josh Hart has. My fantasy team. Zion boxes out and he gets the rebounds, right? So yeah, that's Zion true. Zion doesn't get a lot of rebounds. <laughs> uh, last thing for playoff positioning. It's also going to be critical for those close to avoid the play-in in the West. And the first of all, can the Lakers avoid it? I think they've proven yes, but it's still up in the air because how fucking wild would it be for the Lakers finals winners last year finals favorites this year to be in a fucking play-in with LeBron James. The league would honestly just burn their headquarters down. They said we fucked up with this play-in tournament, but (laughs) uh, I think they're going to be safe. They're still at fifth and they've been playing 500 ball somehow without AD and LeBron, which I wasn't expecting. It's because your boy Dennis. I beat the Dennis drum since he stepped foot in this league. (laughs) I have a tattoo of him on my ass. It's just you know how people have like sleeves on their arms. German chocolate cake on top of his head. <laughs> you know how people have sleeves on their arms. We just have basically sleeves on our ass. <laughs> so the really the question to me is: Do the Blazers or the Mavericks fall into that plan? And that's going to be very interesting because those are two teams in the discourse, right? Damian Lillard and Luka Doncic are two of the best teams in the league. Um, the Blazers just got back Nurkic and CJ. So they're looking strong. The Mavs have been surging, but KP had another injury, of course. So do you guys think the Mavericks can climb out of that uh, that play-in? Or do you think it will be as it stands now with the Mavs in the play-in and the Trailblazers avoiding it? Yeah, I'd, I'd keep it where it's, where it's at right now. Um, I almost feel the exact same way about those two teams as I do about the Warriors and the Pelicans, where the mm-hmm. Mavs, like, they have the talent. They've got the superstar young player, but they also like lose games that they should win. And then Portland, you know, Dame is like the their version of staff, obviously, and they just get it done. I mean, sure, they lost to the Celtics last. The worst night, team in the league again. Yeah, stop them <laughs> by one point after that three that Jason Tatum hit to kind of seal it was kind of nuts. It was a terrible possession. Seth was saying I hated the possession, but loved the, the Seth outcome. Seth says that every time at the end of the game, Jalen <laughs> or uh, that Tatum takes a, like a step back or a fadeaway three. Yeah. And he always ends up hitting it when Seth says it too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> see, it's, it's, it's just smart by me. It's a reverse jinx. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think <laughs> Nurk getting back up to speed is going to be huge for them. Obviously. And McCollum last night, even, you know, he doesn't look like he has much of a, a, he looks like he's back up to game speed. He was hitting huge threes as well. Uh, it takes the pressure out of, obviously off of Dame. Um, Nurk almost had a, had a triple double against, uh, against the Celtics in somewhat limited minutes. So, yeah, I think, I think that stays where it is. And I think yeah. you're right. I think the Lakers, as much as we would want it, we wanted them to fall to the play in. I think they pretty much got the uh, no play ins locked up. Well, that has been the dog days of the NBA featuring I, I, me I and Kyle's like, ass tattoos. I feel like we should talk about the, the top of the West. Well, here's the thing these playoffs are going to be an Suns absolute. are going to end up being the first seed. This, these playoffs are going to be an absolute bloodbath, right? Because you look at the East, first of all. One of the Sixers, Nets, and Bucks will not even make the conference finals. 
And that will be a DEFCON one disappointment for their fan base and for their, for their franchise, right? All three of them expect to make the Eastern conference finals. One of them will not in the West. You have the jazz Suns, Clippers, Nuggets, Lakers, like some, one of those teams is going to lose a couple of teams are going to lose in the first round. Right. And it's like, there's no easy outcomes in the, in the West. Right. I mean, you're going to have Suns, Mavs, Clippers, Trailblazers, you know, Lakers, Nuggets. This is going to be, this is going to be insane. Even in the first round of the West. Who do you think finishes first overall though? That's what was my original question. Well, the jazz pull it out. The jazz have the easiest schedule or second easiest schedule in the league. So they might hold on to it, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Suns take it the way they've been playing. DeAndre Ayton has been the same animal, but a different beast the last like two weeks. So <laughs> if he keeps it up. Same size, different shape. What kind of animal is it, you think? <laughs> Resounding silence. Okay, but the thing is, look at I'm just looking at the schedule. Like Utah has the Timberwolves twice, the Rockets twice, and OKC left. So I mean, and the Suns don't have any of those teams. They only have OKC once. They don't have the Rockets or the T Wolves. So I don't know. They're not playing enough tanking teams for me to think that they can really <laughs> jump up to that first seed, you know. I'm just saying they're going to be the one seed, so I can't wait for it to happen. Yeah, I feel like we haven't talked enough about the Suns and just how, like, we should probably be viewing them as a serious contender, right? I who's not viewing them as a serious contender? <laughs> they're just We the just haven't that, talked about it on the pod yet. That's I was going to say, yeah, they, they're they definitely, like, the team that is a serious contender that I don't think is getting nearly enough coverage. Exactly, yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. But then it's going to turn to the thing where we give them too much coverage, like it always does in the media. <laughs> uh, but the yeah, magic of Cliff Paul. <laughs> the playoffs will certainly be interesting, um, and we just got to get through these uh, these last few days, which will be a little exciting for the play-in, and then we get we're, the playoffs. We're almost there. We're a month away. Any final Some thoughts for our listeners, away. boys, after this uh, double trademark podcast? Kyle, you just mentioned Cliff Paul. Uh, Sam and I were texting about Chris Paul, and Sam misspelled it Chris Pale. <laughs> and then he said, I actually prefer Steve Bucket. Uh, Who doesn't? So I just I felt like that needed to be said. I think it did. Thank you. Damian Lillard just released his own NFTs, and they completely flopped. So we'll <laughs> he released his own? Like yeah. not through Top Shot? No, he created his own signature, like uh, one of ones and stuff like that. It's just like artistic pictures of him. They didn't sell. Interesting. You know, even with that 42 point, my Lou Dort moment has not been rising. He's, I don't understand it. He's putting me in the torture chamber right now with my NFT. Top shots a bag. We've all known. That's always known. <laughs> yep. The He's only so thing bad. that we have going for us, though, is that Matt Rossetti keeps claiming that it's dead. There's no growth. Nothing else is going to do well. Everything that he says is a kiss of death. So <laughs> he he tried to dunk on all of crypto the other day, or not all of crypto, on Dogecoin because he had... 34,000 Dogecoin just about a month ago. 
and decided to cash out. Just the other day, every cryptocurrency was essentially at its all-time high. And he said, except for Doge, that ass coin. I said, it's still up. He said, not at its all-time high. Not even six hours later, Dogecoin hit its all-time high and then <laughs> broke the ceiling and kept going. <laughs> if there's one thing our listeners should have learned from this podcast, it's that Matt Rossetti is always wrong when he makes a statement that he feels confident in. It's, it's never backed by research, a la <laughs> Kyle Stogie Brown takes. So. Exactly. I think we leave right. it at that. And with that, we'll leave you. Kyle, get us out of here. On the third day, he rose again. Why do you think he snapped? <laughs> <laughs>